1: San Diego County health officials reported at least 1,200 new COVID-19 infections on Tuesday. The county reported 26 new deaths, one of the highest daily totals since the pandemic began. Health and Human Services Secretary Dr. Mark Gali says there's been a 70 percent increase in hospitalizations in California in the past 14 days. He says the modified stay-at-home orders are critical for keeping the health care system from being overwhelmed.
2: The goal of saving lives becomes threatened when that system isn't as robust and as strong as it can be to deliver care to as many Californians as needed.
1: As of Tuesday, only the Southern California and San Joaquin Valley regions have triggered the stay-at-home orders. Five Bay Area counties voluntarily adopted the restrictions. Other regions, such as the Greater Sacramento region, are on the edge of facing mandated restrictions. San Diego County's drive-up testing sites will be by appointment only by the end of this week. This is due to safety concerns over the long lines forming at the sites. Walk-up testing sites will still be open with no appointment needed. But to schedule a COVID-19 test, you can call 211 or go to 211sandiego.org. It's Wednesday, December 9th. This is San Diego News Matters from KPBS News. I'm Annika Colbert. Stay with me for more of the local news you need to start your day.
2: Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi,
3: or hohenmotors.com.
1: Cities and counties are trying to forge their own path through the California stay-at-home orders. And so far, it's resulted in a patchwork of restrictions across the state. CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon has more. Sheriffs in Los Angeles, Sacramento, and Orange counties have said they're not going to punish businesses that don't comply with restrictions. The city of Manhattan Beach is getting around a ban on outdoor dining by classifying patios as public spaces. And while five Bay Area counties voluntarily implemented a stay-at-home order, San Mateo County didn't join. Their health officer says he wants more evidence transmission happens at certain businesses. It shows just how frayed the pandemic response has become in California, which was seen as a national leader early on. In Sacramento, I'm Nicole Nixon. The state-imposed regional stay-at-home order will be in place here in San Diego County for at least three weeks. The restrictions prohibit outdoor dining and close personal care businesses. KPBS reporter Matt Hoffman spoke to one owner who is abiding by the restrictions to keep his staff and his guests safe.
3: It's incredibly expensive to try and operate in this environment even when we were open for you know some sort of dine-in service outside.
0: North Park Beer Company owner Kelsey McNair just had this outdoor patio built off of University Avenue. Now, it's just a fixture.
3: It was literally completed at the end of last week, and so uh, we were only able to use it for a few days. McNair has pivoted
0: in other ways, expanding his wholesale beer business and says he will comply with the new restrictions. Still, he's had to make the tough decision to cut back his staff again. And with restaurants seemingly
3: bearing the brunt of restrictions, he's asking for help. I don't want to fight any orders. You know, what I really would like to see is more help from, you know, the local state and federal government as far as financial relief goes. $20 million in
0: county grants are available right now, but before today that was only for businesses impacted by purple tier restrictions. Today the county board of supervisors opened it up for everyone impacted by the regional stay-at-home order. That includes personal care businesses which have to close their doors entirely.
4: Financially it's awful, but we're staying afloat. Like we're staying, and that's all I can say is that we're staying afloat right now.
0: Lab A salon owner, Adrienne Tolentino, was doing some admin work today, preparing for three weeks with her doors closed.
4: If anything, I just want to make sure my team is taken care of, um, because the salon will get through it for us, I know a lot of salons won't, but I just want to get through, I, I just hope it's three weeks.
0: Adapting is not easy, especially when cash is tight. But places like City Tacos are getting creative, adding a drive-through right off University Avenue.
2: It's uh, COVID-friendly. Uh, it's uh, touchless. It's fast. It's
0: efficient. Owner Gerald Torres says he's trying to bring in business while keeping the community safe.
2: In this tier, in this time, we don't know what to expect tomorrow. We don't know what to expect next week. We don't know if people are gonna, you know, be comfortable enough to go out for, you know, the foreseeable future.
0: There's a few City Tacos locations across the county and while Torres has had to cut his staff hours, he's trying to keep everyone on the payroll.
2: There's a lot of uncertainty. They, they worry about their futures and as owners, as managers, we try to uh, really take care of them and let them know what's happening and, and be open and upfront, and and try to protect
0: them as much as we can. All of these owners say the same thing, especially right now, spend your money locally.
1: I know that I see the Amazon trucks going up and down our streets all day long. It's tempting. I get it. It's so easy to sit on your couch and click and buy. But every time you do that, you're taking money out of the pockets of our small businesses. That was reporting from KPBS's Matt Hoffman. It's also worth noting that a judge in Los Angeles County has overturned a ban on outdoor dining on the basis that the county didn't do a proper risk-benefit analysis before imposing the ban. That's according to the city news service. However, the California regional stay-at-home orders includes a ban on outdoor dining, and that overrides the county-wide order, and that means people still can't eat outside. The KPBS Newsroom is starting a series of profiles that focuses on San Diegans' experiences during the COVID-19 pandemic. Those who are surviving, hurting, and some who are thriving. KPBS reporter Max Rivlin-Nadler brings us this story from City Heights.
3: 27-year-old Gunamo Ali immigrated to City Heights from Ethiopia when he was 11. Since then, he's been rooted in the community. He began looking into opening his own restaurant last year audaciously combining Ethiopian, Thai, and American menus. But the pandemic put a damper on his dreams of opening a restaurant. So Ali began experimenting on recipes at home. I started posting the food that I make uh, on Instagram. And and from there, people really like, you know, my food. I started selling out and stuff. And that's when I noticed, you know what, I got to take this to the next level. Soon, Ali had come up with what he called the ghost restaurant idea. For six months, he rented a kitchen, got the necessary permits, and operated a restaurant specifically geared towards the pandemic. You put up your menu online and everything, people order through Uber Eats, uh, all those uh, third-party uh, deliveries, and um, it gets delivered. So that's what I did from that small market. Business was good. Ali wanted to keep growing. Now, Ali's Chicken and Waffles is open for takeout and delivery on the corner of University Avenue and Fairmont Avenue. Max of adler KPBS News.
1: Air pollution from port activities has long been an issue in neighborhoods that border the port district. Now the San Diego port is mulling over a project that could increase diesel pollution near the 10th Avenue Marine Terminal. KPBS environment reporter Eric Anderson has more.
2: The plan to approve a major cement warehouse contract with Mitsubishi Cement Corporation is under fire from environmentalists who worry about the impact on local air quality. The Environmental Health Coalition's Diane Takvorian says the contract could significantly impact air pollution.
1: That activity requires a minimum of 2,000 more trucks per month and up to 8,700, which is a 200 percent increase of trucks over the number of trucks that are currently in and out of the um, 10th Avenue Terminal.
2: Takvorian says those trucks will have to move through Barrio, Logan, and National City. Those neighborhoods endure more diesel particulate pollution than 95 percent of California's communities. Eric Anderson, KPBS News.
1: The San Diego County Board of Supervisors approved a tobacco retail license ordinance on Tuesday. The measure is aimed at reducing usage by minors and holding retailers more accountable. The vote was 4-1, to with outgoing supervisor Kristen Gaspar opposed. The measure sets a minimum pack size and a minimum price for sales. It also allows the county to enforce minimum age laws and a previously adopted ban on flavored tobacco products. It also prohibits the sale of tobacco at pharmacies. The ordinance takes effect on July 1st, and it only applies to unincorporated areas in the county. Today is San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner's last day in office. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen looks back at Faulkner's nearly seven years as mayor and what he accomplished. It's
2: time for us as a community to come together to decide the future of the Chargers in San Diego.
4: Kevin Faulkner in his first State of the City address in January 2015. Keeping the city's football team by building them a new stadium was a top priority. Faulkner created a stadium task force and spent more than $2 million on an environmental impact report to clear the stadium for construction.
2: And so I want to thank the Spanos family, the entire Chargers organization, and the fans, for your continued commitment to San Diego. Working together, we can get this
4: done they didn't get it done. Chargers officials repeatedly rejected the city's suggestions. In 2016, the team placed a tax measure on the ballot to fund a new stadium downtown, and Faulkner endorsed it. But voters rejected it overwhelmingly. I was one of those folks that never thought they were going to stay. Gil Cabrera is an attorney who chaired the city's ethics commission and the board of the Convention Center Corporation. He says the time and money Faulkner spent on the stadium issue was a waste. Give them the best offer they're going to get from us and then you know, give them a deadline and then move on. But we dragged it out for years. Carrera is among those who see Faulkner's tenure as marked by big plans that failed to pan out. Another example, the convention center expansion.
2: It's time to settle this once and for all and get the convention center expanded.
4: That was from Faulkner's 2016 State of the City address. The convention center expansion was always a top priority for him, but time after time his efforts to get it done came up short. Cabrera says he doesn't lay all the blame on Faulkner, but I think there was a lot of delays that that probably weren't necessary. I mean, I, uh, you know, there was we went through, I think, two or three state of the city addresses where we talked about we were going to do something and then nothing happened that year. One achievement Faulkner touts most frequently is the city's 2015 Climate Action Plan, which requires the city to cut its greenhouse gas emissions in half by 2035. Nicole Kapritz leads the nonprofit Climate Action Campaign and was one of the plan's main architects. I think he enjoyed the accolades that came with passing the climate plan, but I don't think his heart was ever in the implementation of the climate plan. Caprit says Faulkner was too slow in starting the transition to 100% renewable energy, and she says he hasn't been the biggest champion for reducing the city's dependence on cars. He's mostly a go-along, get-along kind of guy, and if he can sidestep more challenging conversations, uh, then he's likely to do that. Um, Now, to his credit, when we sort of built the community and political will to take on some of the harder conversations around transit and around Community Choice Energy he eventually did, but it's not his default. Others give Faulkner more credit for his own coalition building. In his last few years as mayor, housing affordability took center stage. Mary Lydon is a land use consultant who led the coalition group Housing You Matters. She praises Faulkner for uniting business groups, builders, environmentalists, labor unions, and social service providers all under a pro-growth agenda.
1: So he was the leader that did that. Um, All kinds of policy has uh, been put into place in the last couple of years and uh, we'll see um, in the next few years um, if those strategies actually are working
4: among those strategies ending parking requirements for new apartment buildings near public transit rezoning parts of the city for higher density housing and adding new incentives for developers to include subsidized affordable homes in their projects leiden says none of that was easy
1: san diego has kind of a reputation for being a nimby city it's beautiful here you know we love our communities we don't want it messed with but there's other things at play And housing became the issue that um, our leaders needed to focus on. And Mayor Faulkner stepped up to the plate on that.
4: As many have long suspected, Faulkner is considering a run for governor in 2022. As a Republican in Blue, California, the odds are stacked against him. And voters will look to his record as mayor for evidence he has what it takes to lead the state.
1: That was KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. Coming up next on the podcast, Andrew has a full interview with Kevin Faulkner. That's next, just after this break.
0: KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more mcasd.org.
1: San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner officially leaves office tomorrow after the inauguration of Mayor-elect Todd Gloria. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen spoke with Faulkner about his career and his potential run for governor in 2022.
4: Mayor Kevin Faulkner, thank you so much for speaking with us. Uh, Happy to join you. Thank you. So let's uh, dive right into one of the biggest issues that you dealt with in your first few years in office, and that's the chargers. You tried very hard to keep them. You put together a task force to come up with a plan. You funded an environmental impact report on the new stadium. You endorsed their 2016 ballot measure to fund a new downtown stadium, which the voters ultimately uh, didn't agree to. There were people saying at that time that this team does not want to stay in San Diego, they're not acting in good faith with the city, and that this was all just a waste of time and money. In hindsight, do you agree at all with that criticism?
2: Well, look, I think there was so much back and forth, uh, literally over more than 10 years in San Diego, that culminated in a ballot measure. Um, and then the team obviously uh, made their decision. Uh, I think when I look at what's going on right now in San Diego in terms of our sporting community and the highlights from, you know, if you take a look at uh, Padres, uh, what they've done, continue to do the new infrastructure that's coming forward in San Diego that I think is going to be incredibly positive and particularly the uh, new stadium for San Diego State, the Mission Valley redevelopment, including the River Park and the the opportunity to uh, finally have a new sports arena. And the voters have supported that with the measure E and the height limit. And so as I look at the future of infrastructure and particularly how it relates to our sporting community, both collegiate uh, and professional, uh, I think it's a bright future ahead for San Diego.
4: Housing affordability has been really one of the main focuses in your, uh, in your recent years in office. You've won approval, often unanimous approval, for a number of reforms to stimulate more home building, things like updating our zoning laws, lowering parking requirements. Was there something that changed to make this issue so very central to your agenda?
2: It had to happen. And I, I think that, and the tone I really tried to set was, I wanted a bias towards action and not just doing things the same way, because if we did, we were not going to change the dynamic to actually get new units constructed that San Diegans can afford. Uh, and, and that's why we, we worked so hard on updating all of our community plans, uh, more than we've ever done in the history of San Diego, and particularly with the focus the last two years on complete communities. And to see that strong support at the council, uh, which gave us our ability to really get these units, you know, constructed, remove regulatory barriers, allow for additional infrastructure, and I think most importantly, allows for by-right development. Um, it's all really a, a culmination of the work that we've done over the last several years with one goal. We need to increase housing supply, cut the red tape, lower costs, uh, with a particular emphasis on housing that's affordable for San Diego.
4: The hepatitis A outbreak, I imagine, was a really tough time to be mayor of San Diego. People were getting sick and dying. Many of them were homeless, and it really put the city's homelessness crisis in uh, uh, under the the microscope. What did you learn from that experience?
2: I will tell you, there were there were a lot of uh, lessons, hard lessons, learned from hepatitis A, and that you know struck countywide, but hit us particularly hard in the urban portion of of San Diego, um, and it really from my perspective was, was a, it was, it was very, a stark re- reminder that the status quo was not working. And so when I look at some of the significant changes uh, that have come out of that, first and foremost, a stronger relationship with the county on tackling region, uh, regional emergencies, but really a, a, you know, a new effort and energy that said allowing tents on the sidewalk is unacceptable. And that was the genesis for the creation of our bridge shelter network. We had the ability to you know, house every night up to a thousand individuals. Our storage centers, uh, and, and really the safe neighborhood, uh, the uh, safe parking lots we've done. Uh, our land, our landlord, you know, family reunification. It's it's really been an all hands on deck effort. And I will tell you as I look at, particularly, over the last year with a lot of the changes and the reforms that we've made that have really come to fruition with our Operation Shelter to Home at the Convention Center. Where since March, uh, we have put 800 folks into a place of their own uh, with another 300 that are in progress with a resource that they can get into. We are doing things differently in San Diego. It shows. We have a lot of work to do, but I think the fact that we are the only urban county in California where homelessness has actually decreased over the last two years speaks volumes of the concerted effort that we have taken in our region with one goal. How do we get people off the street, not just for a night or a week, You've said
4: publicly you're considering running for governor in 2022. Uh, Of course, you know, there are currently no Republicans in statewide office, and the party in much of the state seems to have really suffered under the brand of Donald Trump. What is the message that you think can unite the Republican Party and also win over enough Democrats and independents to win the state?
2: Well, I am giving it serious consideration. Uh, And I've really tried to set the tone as mayor. It's not about you know, Republican or Democrat, it's what's the right thing that we should be doing. Um, that's how I've, I've set my governing style. Uh, and I've, since I've been mayor, obviously I've had a majority a city council of, of Democrats. But when you treat people, I think, with dignity and respect, even if you disagree with them, and you focus on the issues that matter to San Diegans, you can achieve real results. And I think we've been able to do that in, in San Diego. And, I think as we look to the future of California, I think it's important to have a competition of ideas. I think it's important to uh, not just have one party rule. And so those are all the factors that I think are important for California uh, moving forward. And again, with that emphasis on let's get new ideas. Let's try things differently. Let's have that back and forth. I think that may, has make our city stronger, and I think it can make California stronger.
4: In 2016, you said that you could never vote for Donald Trump for president, but you also recently told the columnist for the LA Times that you did, in fact, vote for him this year. After seeing him in the White House for four years, what did he do to win you over?
2: Well, I've looked, worked with uh, Republican presidents, obviously, and, and Democrat presidents, since I've had the privilege to remain as mayor. And I will tell you, my support for his reelection was absolutely based on I believe it was the best for our economic recovery uh, because I've seen firsthand particularly what we've been through with with COVID-19 that our small businesses need help, need support uh, and that recognition of really focusing on economic recovery uh, I think is, is, is Panama uh, and it's you cannot have Uh, a successful economy if you do not have an active thriving
4: Trump still has another six weeks in office and yet he seems to have shown little to no interest in engaging with Congress over another stimulus bill. And I, I, of course, as you noted, individuals, businesses, cities, and and budgets of cities are really suffering right now economically. Um, But he still seems focused on trying to overturn the election results. Explain to me why you think at this moment, uh, Trump would have been better for the economy than Biden.
2: Well, look, you know, people have made their choice. Uh, And I think at this point, as we move forward, Uh, it's incredibly important to focus on what you just mentioned, which is an economic stimulus package and a recovery. Uh, I think it's important that Republicans and Democrats come together uh, in the Congress and the Senate to provide that help and support and relief that people need. We've been actively advocating for that, and I will continue to advocate for that, particularly in my last several days uh, here as mayor, because you need that support. uh, Absolutely, because of the economic shutdowns, We need to give our small businesses that help and support. That is not a partisan issue. Uh, That is an issue that we must come together as a country and as elected officials to give that support. So I'm actually optimistic that that will happen. I'm going to keep working to keep the pressure on to make that happen because it's the right thing to do.
4: Being mayor is a really big time-consuming job, of course. Are there things that you're looking forward to after leaving office?
2: (laughs) um <laughs> yes it's always uh, to spend just a little bit more time uh with the family will be something that i'm looking forward to the most um but i will tell you it's been a, it's been a real honor it's been a real privilege to to serve in this capacity uh and and one that i will always uh always look back uh, on fondly uh because of what we've been able to do and and the way in which we've been able to do it and that's uh That's what I will look back with pride.
1: And that was outgoing San Diego Mayor Kevin Faulkner speaking with KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. That's it for the podcast today. Thanks for listening and have a great day.